Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is John Van Lunen, and you are listening to Treasures of the Outer Banks. This week's episode, I have Joe O'Grady from Coastal Kayaks with me. Coastal Kayaks is based out of Duck, North Carolina, and I've known Joe for about 20 years. I used to book kayak tours for him when I owned Kitty Hawk Water Sports, and when you spend a lot of time in the wilderness giving tours like Joe has, you acquire quite a few stories. Joe is a wealth of information and always a lot of fun to sit down and talk with. And in this episode, we'll talk about alligators, bears, and much more. Sit back and enjoy. So you're in Alligator River, and actually, no, it was your guide. Your guide was in Alligator River, and he sees this alligator come in, and he's and and what's the rest of the story? Yeah, so this is this is a while back, okay. maybe maybe 20 years ago, and one of my uh, all-time favorite guides, Jimmy Roberts, was leading a trip. And ironically, his father came on that tour as well, of course, which made it even more interesting. And uh, he he was just guiding his group through Milltail Lake, which is on the Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge, and they spot an alligator. Which back then we didn't see as many. Um, today we tend to see them often, okay. which is kind of cool, yeah, because it's the Alligator River. <laughs> of course. People want to see them. Um, an alligator uh, surfaced in front of their group, and then it went below the waterline, which happens a lot. They don't want to be right next to kayakers. And sometimes you'll you'll see the alligator uh, reappear after you pass by where you just saw it, but it might be five minutes later. Um, or sometimes you just never see it again because they can stay down below at the bottom for, for an hour or so. Right. So this one day, Jimmy was leading his tour, alligator popped up in front of them, and then it submerged, and they paddled on, not knowing if they would see it again, and then suddenly one of the kayaks was lifted into the air. <laughs> nice. So I've, I've known Jimmy now for 20 years, and every year I revisit this story with him, you know, the kayak rises up higher and higher out of the water every year. <laughs> right. So next year that, you know, the kayak probably does a flip and the guy, right. the guy stays in his kayak somehow. Um, and I don't know the size of the alligator. It could have been a, a tiny one, but every year the, this story gets a little bit more exciting. Sure. Sure. No one, no one fell in. Everybody survived. Uh, Jimmy's father was probably like, what are you doing? Leading kayak tours through this right. alligator infested <laughs> swamp. So, so, uh, when I would book tours for you, I would inevitably get the question, so how close do we get to these alligators? And, right. you know, they, they want to go on the Alligator River tour, but they don't want to see the Alligator River. They just want to hear about the alligators. But uh, I, I used to tell them that uh, if they brought a live chicken and dragged that behind their boat, it might attract some alligators. Yeah, we definitely don't promote feeding the alligators. <laughs> no. Yeah. There's no swimming with yeah, the alligators? Exactly. So some of the alligators we see are, are tiny. Like they can be hatchlings and they might only be 10 inches long or they might be uh, a year old and they might be a foot. Um, uh, a year ago, I was kayaking uh, down one of the narrower paths where we all of a sudden started seeing alligators. We used to always just see them on the open lakes. Yeah. Uh, but the, in more recent years, we've been seeing smaller ones on these little narrow paths. And it's kind of nice that they were smaller ones because if you're on a narrow path, you don't want to see a 12-foot alligator exactly. just <laughs> resting there in yeah. front of your group because what are you going to do? Back out? Yeah. yeah. All 10 of you. Yeah. So I'm paddling along and I'm telling folks, yeah, we've been seeing some little littler ones around this area. 
and I look beneath my kayak and the water's only a foot deep at this one spot and there's an alligator underneath my kayak. Really? And you could see it which in the water. I could have reached down and picked it up. Really? It was small. It, yeah. But I'm like, well, cool. Just paddled on. And... Which is which is amazing because I know that water is pretty dark with the tannins and everything. It is. It's very dark, but if the sun's shining on it, you can yeah. you can see what's there. And if it's really super shallow, you can you can see the bottom a little of bit. Of course. Yeah. So that was cool. What What do you think? Uh, well, let's just say, what's the average length of the alligators you see in Mill Till? I would I would say four to seven feet. Right. Yeah. And half of that's probably their tail. Yeah. 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 Well, usually we just see their head sticking up. True. Yes, yeah, so we just see eyes, nose. And then that's usually all we have you see. Been, have you ever been out there at night? Yes. Uh, our permit does not allow us to kayak at night. But years ago, I did a volunteer trip for the Wings Over Water. And we did a uh, full moon kayak tour through there. Really? And did you do the, use a flashlight to see we, their eyeballs? We had some lights. We had glow sticks. And you could, and you could see. We didn't see a ton of alligators that, that night. But you, we did see eyes glowing back at us. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Apparently, that's what they do down south, like Louisiana or something like that. The greater the distance between the eyeballs mm -hmm. <laughs> is the bigger the alligator. So yeah. that's how they measure the alligators nice. in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. But um, So that's cool. And so uh, you told me about another alligator that used to hang out in the parking lot? Yeah. A few, a few years back, there was just this one smaller alligator, probably like three to four feet. So yeah. not, not a terribly big one. Not very threatening. Um, but it would kind of uh, surface when you drove down to the put-in. So yeah. you'd be driving your vehicle down with your trailer, pull into the cul-de-sac, and the alligator would just appear. So he was <laughs> he was basically like the crowd pleaser. Yeah. Because you're almost always going to see this one alligator. Was he on contract? He was on contract. <laughs> he was he was most likely, and I've not confirmed this with any Fish and Wildlife Service people, but it it appeared that he was released there. That it might have been someone's pet, right? And it got too big for their aquarium, so they just kind of let him be. <laughs> I think I think they actually saw there was an aquarium still there, so they may have just left it, and then it made its way into the water. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then and then suddenly he was no longer there, so something was done with it. Uh, probably moved to a different, more remote location. You think he was physically removed? To the farm. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they did with him. The alligator puppy farm? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he was brought to the aquarium. Yeah. But I doubt it because I would have probably heard right. that story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Probably made good snacks for somebody. <laughs> um, what's your favorite tour? Currently, we do trips to six different locations. Um, one of the locations that we go to, which is on the Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge, um, but it's not where we see the alligators. Mm -hmm. um, it is an area which is called Mashu's Creek. Mm -hmm. um, we don't go there very often, sometimes just once during the week in the summertime. Um, but it's, it's very remote feeling. We kayak into um, really tall cordgrass vegetation with really winding paths. Uh, that eventually lead out to the Albemarle Sound, where there's a beach that we can get out and walk. Cool. People can go for a swim if they want. Um, it's just it's just a different experience because it's it's more remote. You don't you don't see too many people out there. Um, 
never, I don't think I've, have I ever seen any other kayakers out there. Uh, right. So it's just off the beaten path. Yeah. Um, but we don't run it that often because it is a further drive. And when people are here on vacation, you know, they want to stay a little bit closer to their house sometimes. So it's, yeah. uh, it's just out there. Yeah, I've been yeah. in my shoes and a very interesting little sleepy little area. Totally, yeah. How many, what are you, about six houses out there? <laughs> no, I think there's probably closer to 20. 20? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's not much. Yeah. There's, there, there's, a hunt, there's a hunting village, not a hunting village, sorry, but a camp, hunting camp that's over the water. That you get, It's only accessible by the water. You, uh, I got picked up by a skiff at the ramp there. You know, do you know where the little boat launches at the end of the line there? At, on not someone's a, private property. Uh, it's, it's next to a couple of houses right there. Yeah, so we used to launch from there. Right. Um, in the very beginning, um, do you know the owners of the... Nope. So the, back then, that was, I mean, we're talking 23 years ago, right when I moved here, started up this business. Um, I found out who owned that property, Wilford Midget. He lived in Norfolk, but okay. um, his, he, he owned the property and he actually allowed us to launch from there. Cool. Um, but I only used it for one year because kind of felt like I was bringing too many people back into an unknown spot. Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to leave that alone. Sure. Uh, but it was cool, cool little spot. I wish back in hindsight, I wish I'd, uh, uh, I could have purchased that property because right. it's so cool back there. Right. So, so you launched from there and went to the hunt. Somebody picked me up by skiff and motored me back out to this little hunt club. And when I say hunt club, it's a shack. I know what you're talking it's about. It's a shack over yeah. the water. We don't kayak past there, but I know where it is. Okay. Yep. Um, no, no running water. They use a cistern. Uh, generator power mm. um, and they just they go out there for, they would uh, rent it out and use it for the weekends and mm. it was it was really cool were you hunting no I was just visiting a friend <laughs> I was visiting a fellow lacrosse guy nice <laughs> it was like uh, one of the one of the renters one of the guys of the club was a lacrosse guy from Greensboro I believe oh, he, he was part of the club the yeah. guy you went with yeah. and when I say club it's like six guys who all chip in to pay the rent to you know hmm. use that place because it was not theirs to own or do anything else with. But yeah, very cool. And they still, they still own that or run it? You know, it's been a long time since I've talked to this guy, so I do not know. I have, out of curiosity, I went to Google satellite maps and it still seems to be existing. But I don't know who's there, what condition it's in. Yeah, cool. But on the way home, we left. And we left and it was dark out. And you go down that long road towards Man's Harbor, I guess. Yep. Um, and we saw like three bears on the side of the road, just hanging out, oh, cool. you know, in the middle of the night. Nice. So, very cool back there. Nice. Um, so when, how, how did you get into this business? Okay. So I first started visiting the Outer Banks in the early nineties. Um, and just as a vacationer, my brother was going to graduate school in Chapel Hill. So we just kind of chose the Outer Banks as a spot where we could meet. And back then we would camp out typically at the, uh, the point campground on Hatteras. So oh, the, cool. the federal yeah. uh, park, um, just a spot for us to meet up for a weekend, um, try to learn how to surf, that sort of thing. <laughs> right. Fell in love with the Outer Banks. Yeah. Um, we thought, man, it'd be nice if we could figure out a way to, uh, live here, uh, open up a business. So we were like, Hmm, what do you think? Uh, ice cream shop, coffee shop, right. something touristy. And nothing ever stuck. And he went went ahead and got his job. And I, I was doing my thing. So that never happened. 
But then years later, I started working for uh, an organization out of New Jersey uh, uh, that was started by an outward bound person mm -hmm. um, that took, I dealt mainly with inner city uh, people and brought them out into wilderness locations. But they also had a group that dealt with adjudicated youth mm -hmm. and they were able to back then take their adjudicated youth out of the state and these are guys, it was all male, um, guys that had done well in, in sure. prison setting. So they were getting out. And part of their reward was to have this like 30-day adventure where they could uh, get therapy to try to help them um, get back into mainstream life again and hopefully not fall into the pitfalls that they fell into that got them into prison the first time. So, so they were in the wilderness for 30 days? Yep. Yep. If I'm ever in the wilderness for 30 days, I've been dead for 28. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So they were going to, they wanted to lead a trip to the Outer Banks. And a portion of this trip was going to be five days. So they would, they would have like, they wouldn't maybe be in the same spot for this whole 30 days. They would do segments. And they wanted to do a, a five-day segment kayaking along the core banks um, from Ocracoke all the way down to Harker's Island, which was where we took out. Yeah. So um, I'd been here a few times. I loved kayaking. <laughs> I had a map. <laughs> yeah. Back then we didn't. I had a compass. <laughs> yeah. So they, they asked me along. It was um, a fall expedition. So we were just planning a trip that was going to happen um, actually in a few weeks. Um, which I wasn't unable to join that trip because the brother I'd mentioned was getting married. Gotcha. So I didn't go on the actual trip that time, but um, it led me to the Outer Banks to scout out this route um, that we were going to take these adjudicated youth on. Um, not the adjudicated youth, the, uh, yes, exactly, the, the folks that were in prison. So um, that's how I learned about the Outer Banks and kayaking. And as I was on this trip, five, five days uh, excursion, I think maybe this portion of the trip we only did in a few days because we were going fast. Right. Um, I kind of thought, man, this, this might be uh, the way to uh, live on the Outer Banks, kayaking. And I noticed that a portion of the Outer Banks had a lot of tourism. Uh, so that's why I settled on the northern Outer Banks because it gets more tourist ac yeah. action. Um, so a year later, I moved here and uh, started up this business. Excellent. Nice. And um, so tell me about Portsmouth Island. <clears throat> and, and I should preface this with uh, Portsmouth Island. For those of you who don't know, Portsmouth Island is just south of Ocracoke. Uh, it is a ghost town. Um, it is maintained by the Park Service, I believe. Yep. And so there's no ferries or bridges to Portsmouth Island. Right. Uh, the last full-time... Uh, um, residents moved out of there what in the 70s yeah yeah and uh, yeah it was just uh, pretty much just left to it but anyway it's it's still there and and you can visit it if you can find a way to the island yeah um, and it's just a real cool place it's on my bucket list of places to visit so so I've, I've set the stage for you go ahead and tell me about your experiences with Portsmouth Island. nice so when I lead guided kayak trips today I often talk about Ocracoke Island because Ocracoke is one of my favorite places to visit and to get to Ocracoke, you can take a ferry from Hatteras Village. You can take ferries from the mainland. Um, but it's just a different place. Mm -hmm. It's uh, 
you know, Jimmy Buffett likes it there. Yeah. So it's, I don't know Jimmy Buffett personally, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the spot where Blackbeard the pirate was killed back in 1718. So right. it's got all this pirating history, um, which is true pirating history. It's not like the made up stuff like right. Blackbeard was here. He was actually killed there. So that's, that's yeah. appealing to me for some reason. Um, so Ocracoke's always uh, a, a natural draw to me. And I tell vacationers that are going on our guided trips that maybe, yeah, do a day trip to Ocracoke. And Ocracoke is there because it was the oldest seaport on, along the Outer Banks. Right. Um, the Ocracoke Inlet is our oldest inlet. So ships used to come in there and unload cargo. Yeah. And then that cargo would have been offloaded onto smaller boats probably a lot of slave labor involved. Uh, those boats made their way across the Pamlico Sound. That's how mainlanders got their materials, was right. through the Ocracoke Inlet. And that must have attracted a lot of pirates also. Right. So you had Ocracoke, and then on the other side of the Ocracoke Inlet was Portsmouth Island. They were bas basically like port towns right. that you worked receiving goods and yep. all that. And somehow the Park Service was able to maintain this village. Right. And it's still there. And if you go into it, like you said, you feel like you're going into some ghost village. Right. You might be the only one walking through it. There's a church. There's a post office. There's a schoolhouse, I believe. It's been a long time since I've been there. Uh, but it's just really cool. Have you camped out on there? Yeah. So I've so when we did that trip with Project Use, the group out of New Jersey, uh, we started in Ocracoke. We went into Portsmouth. And then we just traveled, traveled the whole length of the core banks all the way down to Shackleford Island. Was that a pretty easy kind of, you know, frog leap from island to island? Or? It, so kayaking from Ocracoke to Portsmouth Island would not be something I recommend for somebody that's not experienced kayaker. Right. Um, and quite honestly, taking, taking inexperienced kayakers across that might have been a little risky. Um, it definitely depends upon... In retrospect. It depends upon what the wind's doing, the tides are doing. Yeah. Um, uh, it, can, it can be a little treacherous crossing. So it's a good to have a backup. Um, uh, someone that from Ocracoke that could maybe pick you up if a storm came through. Yeah. So there are... Uh, private groups that you could hire to sure. help you if you if you wanted to sure get bailed out so yeah so i guess you could kayak you could you know fire up your own motorboat and you know go from ocracoke to portsmouth island or you could, like you said you could just hire a a, a local person a local that captain will take yep. you over that that would be the easiest and smartest way to get to portsmouth today right yeah and i've and i've seen uh, some Local photographers will go there and camp out and you mm. know, take some great pictures of the Milky Way and that type of thing, yeah. which, you know, probably not a lot of artificial light over there, probably right. zero artificial light over there. Right, So right. you're going to get some great shots. Yeah, definitely. Definitely cool. Um, any good bear stories? Um, on Portsmouth Island? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Besides the bear that was showing up in Duck a few years ago. What was that all about? I, I never saw it, but I saw pictures bear ocean right there on the beach right? i can just imagine being the person like oh, i'm just gonna go down to the beach honey and, and set up our tent right. or our canopy for the day and drink my coffee down by the ocean side walking down there and and you see a big black bear walking the beach crazy that, that would was that be, summertime it was summertime two summers in a row that's crazy yeah yeah and it probably just walked from virginia yeah right on 
down, down the beach. And there are pockets where, you know, a bear could live, like the Pine Island Audubon Sanctuary, where we also kayak. Yeah. Bear, bear could live back in there, but no one's really um, witnessed them living back in there. Yeah. But, you know, they could, they could make it. Or they could swim across the Currituck Sound. Right. I never heard how that bear got there, but two, two summers in a row. <laughs> um, cool. So definitely out at Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge, we see a lot of black bear. Uh, the Fish and Wildlife Service claims that the black bear population is the densest anywhere in the world really? living living on that wildlife refuge. Is that right? So that refuge is over 153,000 acres, and there are a, a lot of black bear that live there. Wow. And um, it's open to the public. People can drive uh, the trails. Um, they're gravel, pretty well maintained. As long as the fences are open, you're allowed down that trail. Right. And if you go out there early in the morning or closer to sunset, um, especially in the summertime, you're likely to see them. Uh, the Fish and Wildlife Service lease out lands to farmers. They, they plant crops, um, coin, soy, soybean, things like that. And they have to leave a portion of their crops to the wild. Yeah. So the bear just go out there and it's free, free food. That's why we have some of the world's largest black bear in the world. Are they largest? Yes. Eastern North Carolina boasts some of the largest black bear in the world. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we saw a couple this last weekend. We were out there on our uh, e-bikes checking out, uh, checking out the park. And we definitely saw some, some cool bears. Um, highly recommend it. Nice. Yeah, definitely nice. recommend it. Have, have you seen them during your, your kayak tours at all? So I've been doing kayak tours there for 23 years. And I've, I've seen them crossing the water paths in front of us, swimming yeah. across some of the bigger lakes. Really? Um, they're really good swimmers. I've seen them way up in treetops, you know, four or five of them, a family all together up in treetops. No Sometimes you'll be paddling along and you'll see them come down a tree like they're going down a fire pole. <laughs> like a fire pole. They're, they're very fast. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we do see them. Um, I've never had a... Scary feeling. Like I've always felt like um, we respect their space; they respect ours, and um, they usually just mosey on when you see them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, we saw one Saturday, and uh, he was. We were a fair distance away, and I thought for sure, oh, he's he sees us. I thought for sure he'd run, but mm -hmm. we didn't make a big noise. But but yeah, whenever in doubt, it's good to make a little noise. Just yeah, and, res to, and respect their and respect their, their space. Their, yeah, their space because they are quite. Yeah, Big. a couple months ago we were at Shackleford Banks, and there was a naturalist guide, and uh, so I'm t I'm chatting with him during the ferry trip over to the island, and I said, you know, if I come across one of these horses, you know, if I stumble upon a horse, and and they're moving towards me, what should I do? And it was his opinion that they would not move towards you, that they're not that you know domesticated, and uh, and that you know as long as we kept our distance that shouldn't be an issue so that was good to know right because i've been in shingateague i was camping in shingateague this goes 30 years back and i was setting up my dinner or lunch on a picnic table and his horse just walked up and it was obvious what he wanted he wanted my food well <laughs> if you know me i'm a little competitive with my food <laughs> i'm a little territorial <laughs> so gotcha. so uh i was just starting to look around for something i was going to throw at the horse when uh, out of out of nowhere, a ranger comes up on a jeep, and he just starts clicking a mic. He had a PA system, and he started clicking the mic, and the horse knew that that was you know he wasn't welcome. And he just wandered off. But I was I was I was afraid wow. that these horses on uh, Shackleford Banks would just 
walk right up and look for food. But fortunately, that's not the problem. Mm. So, um, yeah, don't don't feed the wild animals. Did they did they tell you not to feed the horses on Shackleford? I'm pretty sure they did, and and I'm pretty sure it was at minimum it was implied strongly. But I don't think it was an issue. You know, right? Um, they've been there forever. They they know what they're doing, and uh, but they're not the wild Spanish mustangs. I don't think so. No, okay. I think the, if if I remember the story correctly, some wealthy developer from decades and decades and decades ago just set him out there to to let him graze and Mr. Shackelford <laughs> maybe <laughs> he set him out there to graze and he you know just left him there or something like that you, you know nobody I don't I don't know if they uh, heard him or or what but yeah yeah yeah, maybe. yeah. I don't know too much about them either, but I'd heard the same thing that yeah. that they were brought out there just to free range graze without fences and right. Um, I guess the owner died or Maybe. lost interest. Yeah, in exactly. Having horses, <laughs> exactly. So, um, so yeah, that's the horses, the bears, the alligators. Have uh, you know? You alluded earlier. We were talking before the show. You alluded about alligator tails, kind of you know, giving you a little splash or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So. On the refuge, there are big alligators, um, and it's really hard to gauge how big they are when you're kayaking uh, out there. Uh, the largest one ever recorded that they actually measured was 13 and a half feet. Wow. And I've seen some that maybe were close to that size. And as you're kayaking um, through certain areas um, that you see them more often, I always tell folks, you know, stay 15 feet off the edge because the grasses can be tall. Um, some of them are actually floating mats of grass on top of water. Um, and it's really hard to see, especially when the vegetation gets thick and green in the summertime. It's hard to see in that grass. So you can be literally kayaking along the edge too close, and there could be a 12-foot alligators yeah. resting there. So I have, on rare occasion, been very afraid uh, <laughs> paddling along, and you'll just have a sudden rush out of the grass uh, the alligators are just trying to get away from you. They're yeah. not attacking. Yeah. They're just trying to get away from you. You were too close to the edge. And uh, sometimes that tail will flip, you know, inadvertently and water will get you wet. Crazy. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And that's when you're like, whoa, okay. Respect yeah. the wildlife. And but There's not a lot of places to hide in that kayak, is there? No, you're, you're in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's too good. Um so, you know, let me give you a chance to push uh, some of your tours. You okay. want to push uh, any of your tours or your business in general? What, what's the name of the business? Coastal Kayak Touring Company. And your website is? Coastalkayak.org. <laughs> gotcha. Don't go calm. That'll take you to somebody in Delaware. Gotcha. Yep. And, uh, Which I'm sure they're great, too. So you can go there, too. <laughs> Should you be in the neighborhood? Yes, of course. And, uh, yeah, so, so go ahead and tell me about your company a little bit. Yeah, so uh, we just uh, are wrapping up our 23rd year. Cool. Um, it's been a good, a good 23 years. And basically, our company just kind of focuses on, in on kayaking. We do stand-up paddleboard tours also. Uh, but in the beginning, it was just kayaks. I don't think I knew what a paddleboard was 23 years ago. Yeah, they're pretty new. Yeah. Um, and I got into it because I loved kayaking. When I moved here and started the business, I realized that it had to be more than just taking people kayaking. So where are we? What, what are we seeing? Um, 
this this water? What's what's it about? What's the history? Yeah, what's going on here? Um, and one of the cool things about the Outer Banks as a kayaking destination is you can be kayaking in a freshwater swamp with alligators. You can get back into your car and drive 45 minutes and you can be in the salt marsh, you know, where you're not expecting to see alligators at Pea Island or behind the Body Island Lighthouse. Um, so the wildlife is going to be completely different. The mm -hmm. waters are going to look different. They're yeah. not going to be dark coffee waters like the Cypress Swamp. It's going to be more clear waters near the inlets. Uh, the nearest inlet that we kayak near is the Oregon Inlet. Um, or we can drive north up into the Duck Kerala area and be in the Pine Island Audubon Sanctuary where the waters can be completely fresh. Or if we're not receiving a lot of rain, they'll get saltier. Um, so saltwater fish can be caught there, freshwater fish. It's just amazing. Well, within an hour's drive, you can be in all these different right. ecosystems. Right. Yeah. 23, 23 years, have you seen any interesting evolutions or anything like that? See more of one thing, less of another? Well, you, you kind of alluded to it earlier. You see more alligators in Alligator River. Yeah, and I don't really know the reason why we see them more. Um, maybe the alligators are just become more accustomed to humans and mm -hmm. they're not as afraid. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad. Right. But yeah, we definitely see, see more alligators. My guess is that their population is just expanding, you know. Sure. There's, there's no hunting of alligators here in eastern North Carolina, so their population is just doing well. How about Pea Island? You do one. Pea Island is just south on the south uh, side of uh, Oregon Inlet. Any any interesting changes you see down there with this salt waters coming in and out, with a new inlet coming in and out and stuff like that? Yeah, so the location that we launched from is called New Inlet. It's a, just a parking lot today, but it is a periodic inlet opening spot. Um, in 2011, that's where Hurricane Irene broke five inlets in through Pea yep. Island alone. And that inlet was huge. Yeah. So the inlet that opened up closer to that new inlet parking lot um, was pretty deep, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you know how deep? Did you ever go through it? I heard it when it, no, but I heard when it first broke through, it was 10, 15 feet deep. Yeah. That, I mean, it wasn't just like creek. It was a yeah, so full on inlet. Water was rushing through there, but it wasn't really wide. Right. Like you could probably swim across it even <laughs> when the current was ripping. But um, yeah, so inlets are common, uh, relative common occurrences there on Pea Island. Yeah. Therefore, they're building new bridges that they just completed, that one bridge at S-Turns. Yeah. Um, Is that going to affect your tour at all? No, no. Um, people now, if they're coming from further south, they just have to go on the jug handle bridge and back on to Pea Island. Okay. Um, after Hurricane Irene, we had no idea what was going right. to happen. They were talking about all kinds of different um, bridge plans. Do you remember? Like Vaguely. It was in, a mess because Corps of Engineers got into it. Yeah, uh, in the beginning, they were talking about an 18-mile-long bridge all the way from South Nagshead all the way into Rodanthe. Um, that never happened. Uh, when the Irene Inlet broke through at that spot, uh, they actually started that process of building that bridge that was going to be two miles, like a causeway. Do you re remember that they were mm -hmm. building? They were they started the project and then it got shut down. Really? There was I don't know what happened. They shut that project down, so that bridge would have bypassed where we launched from. So I, I'm not sure if they were if 
the Fish and Wildlife Service was going to have an off ramp from that bridge where we could have still access that location. Right. But for a couple of years, we were unable to kayak there because of what was going on right. and not knowing. But then they, the Army Corps eventually built that smaller, more permanent bridge, which is the Captain Richard Etheridge Bridge, right. which is uh, one of my favorite favorite heroes here on the Outer Banks. Yep. Um, they built that more permanent bridge there, which allowed us to continue our Pea Island trips. Right. Thank, thankfully, because it's a beautiful spot. Right. Yeah. Anybody else doing tours out there? Yeah, you, don't have to, you don't have to mention them. Yeah, my friend Eli. <laughs> yeah. His company does uh, kayak tours from there too. So it's just his company and my company. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And what kind of, uh, do you see fish in that pond there? Or, uh... Yeah, so so it's on the Pamlico Sound. It's super shallow waters for the most part. There's only a few spots that are above your head and they're small spots. Um, so it's a, it's a great spot for seeing fish beneath your kayak. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we see like cow nose rays and cool. uh, sting rays and uh, skate. And this time of year, you could probably see the red drum and flounder. So yeah, it's it's a cool spot to see what's going on underneath your kayak. Crab, right. different crabs and things. It's awesome. Probably a cool place to uh, paddleboard because on a paddleboard you can see a little bit more into the water. Yeah, the only downside <laughs> is uh, it's windy. P Island, windy, P yeah. Island tends to get the most wind because it's on the Pamlico Sound. So for paddleboarding there, you just have to wait for the right conditions. Yeah, okay. and sometimes those right conditions don't happen for for long stretches. Like this past this past summer, just seemed to be really windy. Yeah, all of, all of July, I was like, oh man, when when is this wind <laughs> going to stop blowing? So P Island can be a little bit frustrating dealing with the wind. Right, that's the only downside. Understood. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Joe, for coming out and uh, sharing those stories with me. Um, where can we find you one more time? You can find us in Duck. We have a small little gazebo currently at the Waterfront Shops, 1240 Duck Road. Okay. Um, you can catch us there in the busier times of year. Or you can call us, or you can go to our website at coastalkayak.org. Excellent. Thanks for coming out, Joe. Thanks, John. Pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this talk with Joe O'Grady. Something we didn't mention in the show was that if you're driving along 64 in Dare County or Tyrell County, uh, that's uh, right around the Alligator River area, you may see alligators in the canal that runs parallel with the highway. So be alert and you may get an excellent opportunity to take photos. Uh, call to action. If you are enjoying this podcast, please leave a rating uh, on Spotify, or you can also like the episode on Stitcher or Apple Podcast. And if you could share it with your friends, uh, spread the word a little bit. As usual, if you didn't enjoy this podcast, please form a single file line behind my wife and kids. Until next time, make it a good one.